This is an exclusive presentation of WoWo 1190 AM and 107.5 FM, Unholstered. Here we go. We are back. Welcome to Unholstered. My name is Kayla Blakesley, and I am just one of your hosts here on Unholstered. Good morning, everyone. My name is Sophia Rosales-Catina. I'm a captain with the Fort Wayne Police Department, and welcome back to Unholstered. Obviously, Sophia represents uh, the law enforcement side. I represent the local media side. I host a news talk radio program here in Northeast Indiana during the week, and on the weekends, I host this alongside Sophia. Um, Sophia and I have teamed up. We've joined forces, if you will, just because we're so passionate about sharing and telling all of the stories that just don't offer and get told when it comes to law enforcement. We always say no topic is off limits. And this week, by popular demand, we brought back our guest Our guest from last week, John Michaels. He is the owner of Indiana Firearms Training in Huntington. And some of the work that John is doing, not only at IFT, but in our community, is just absolutely amazing. I'm so inspired. Uh, we had some questions come in, and I, I, we had so much content we wanted to get to with with John last week. We just didn't have time. So, John, with that, welcome back. Thanks for making the time. Hey, thanks for having me back. It's great to see you again. I should also apologize for the lawnmower in the background. It seems to be an ongoing situation for us. So if you hear it, that's what it is. It's the lawnmower. But, Sophia, I first and foremost, too, also want to point this out. Something that came to light last week when we were all chit-chatting and we were chit-chatting about some of the classes and the courses that John and his instructors teach there at IFT, we learned... uh, just how forward-thinking the Fort Wayne Police Department is. What I did not know, and I wouldn't have known it had we not brought John in, is is most police departments, when they're clearing a scene, they have to clear that scene before medical can come in and address any bleeding out, um, if you will, um, persons from a mass shooting or any kind of shooting situation. But what I learned last week is that's not the case here in Fort Wayne with the Fort Wayne PD. It is not. No, we have a specialized uh, training that we do with uh, fire department and we will go in during an active shooting scene and it depends on the scene I don't want people to say oh, you have to go in now so it depends on the scene and what's going on and how big that scene is if we can safely get in there with medical personnel we will do that we, we train to do that and uh, we just want to make sure that we're helping people if and when we can that's amazing because you're one of the f- few departments across the whole country that even do it that way. So if you missed uh, last week's episode, it was really all about gun safety and the importance of learning gun safety and just really being educated before even firing a a live firearm. And that's exactly, John, what you do, you and your crew at Indiana Firearms Training in Huntington. One of the questions that we had when it comes to your courses, which they're mostly offered on the weekends, um, you can pretty much take a course for any kind of firearm that you want or that you have. Um, But one of the questions we had, is there an age limit? For someone to come take a course there's not an age limit we want to interview our students and make sure they're mature enough to handle firearms as well as be physically capable of manipulating firearms do you inter- who, who does that interview process i will do the initial and then we have a licensed mental health counselor that also comes into the process what's the youngest student you've had We've had some 12-year-old girls, and they've done just fine. The instructors are very, very close to the students when they're on the firing line, Mm -hmm. so we keep good control, and we we do a lot of vetting throughout the class as well. People will handle firearms without any live ammo in the building. I get to see how their gun-handling skills are long before we introduce live ammo. I would assume you need parental consent, though, for... If you're under 18, you're going to have a parent with you, but we'll still allow you in the class. For folks who don't know it, we talked about it last week. Um, I plan on taking one of the entry-level courses for for my handgun. Um, you can find all of the courses online, indianafirearmstraining.com. 
I encourage you to go there and check it all out and listen to last week's episode to learn more about IFT. But John, we really wanted to bring you back because we didn't really get to spend hardly any time uh, talking about use of force training, um, use of deadly force training, or just what to know about if you use use of force. And I think this is an important topic because I have tried to do a lot of legwork to find a place to get some training for my handgun. Went to three other spots before I found you. And I did have some minimal training at one location here in town. And I actually asked the question about, hey, if I'm in my home and someone's robbing me of my TV, whatever, robbing me, what are the consequences of me shooting that person? And there really wasn't a great answer. I kind of felt like I was left without a lack of knowledge and if you know me, you know that I'm a, I, 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 I seek the facts. I, I, I'm a big researcher. And before I decide to carry a firearm with me anywhere and, and bring one out, if there's a thief in my home, uh, knock on wood, I want to know what the heck I'm doing and be well educated on my rights and the law and whatnot. So that was one of the things I really wanted to get to with you that we didn't have time to do that. But I'm curious, at your classes, do you teach that as well? We will answer questions about gun law, but I offer free gun law workshops throughout the week. Absolutely. In the evenings. Yeah, there's a free section on my website. I highly recommend everybody go there and soak it up. There's some good stuff. Okay, well, let's soak it up right now. What can you tell us about, you know, use of deadly force? Let's say let's say you do that. What happens? There are a lot of variables in this, but there's a lot of laws that folks just don't get exposure to, and that's why I offer the free workshops. I think it's only fair that people know the consequences of their actions should they have to use their firearm or a knife or empty hand. Okay, knowing the consequences of your actions, walk me down that road. I'm going to use the situation of my home. I'm being robbed. I shoot the person robbing my home. He dies. What happens? Obviously, I mean, the police are going to be called. Police will be called. There's a lot of bad information given to us through TV and movies. Oh, yes. We talk about that all the time, <laughs> don't we, Sophia? The show is all about. <laughs> they always cut away before the court case exactly. or any of the consequences. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so we're kind of fed this misconception that we can just shoot somebody because they're in our house when they're not supposed to be. Well, there's a lot more to it than that. You're going to have to answer to a judge and probably a jury, and they're going to wonder why you shot somebody that didn't attack you but was just stealing a TV. Well, that's essentially what I was told by this particular instructor. They said, well, it depends. Did you tell him you were going to fire your firearm? Which obviously this is a made-up scenario. And I'm like, I don't know. In that moment, I probably wouldn't. I don't, I don't know what I would do in that moment. Put it down or I'm going to shoot. I don't, I don't know. Maybe I would say that. I have no idea. So as I said, he didn't really answer my question and kind of actually left me with more questions than I initially started with. I can tell you, you will most certainly have an adrenaline dump and you will have one, maybe one and a half seconds to make a decision that Mm -hmm. will affect your entire life. Mm -hmm. The judge and jury will have 12, 18 months to play Captain Hindsight with no adrenaline dump and nothing to lose. Mm -hmm. And they're going to ask a lot of questions like, why didn't she just run out the back door? Or let him get away with the TV, right? Yeah, this guy didn't have a gun. You shot him. There was only a gunfight because you started it. And that's a weird concept for people. Somebody breaks into your house and they're stealing something, but you can be seen as the one who started the gunfight by leaving your bedroom and seeing this burglar's face. This just happened, not just this, but a really similar scenario, and I don't even remember where, but there was a situation of an apartment complex. It's not around here, it was in another state. I wanna say it was Colorado, but it was an apartment complex, 
there was some kind of scuffle. Someone someone came up and was stealing this gentleman's car who lived in this apartment complex. So this guy came out of his apartment and fired off at, I'm going to say these kids, but these, these people, these young people stealing this car. Well, the bullets ended up going into another apartment, almost hit this other gentleman's kids. So then he came out firing. So essentially it was this gunfight, no one died, thankfully, that got started over some young kids stealing a resident's vehicle from this apartment complex. Obviously, I mean, this just happened a couple of days ago, so I have no idea what kind of charges, but I do know the two residents got kicked out of the apartment complex, and the apartment said it was for causing a nuisance. There are some rights to defend your property, but people misunderstand that. When you leave the safety of your home to go defend a car, you are not defending your life. That's not self-defense. That's defense of property, and it just doesn't register with them. So big difference from a legal perspective, Sophia. You, you do have the right to defend yourself if you feel like you are in, in danger. danger. And I will preface that everybody's feeling of danger is going to be different. Yeah. True. Mine is different than yours and yours. And it's just, as a police officer, people have me on a higher level of what I should be afraid of and what I shouldn't be afraid of or what True. I should be threatened by and not threatened by. Um, as opposed to you, Kayla, mm-hmm. as a radio personality or you as a gun, you know, trainer. You know, everybody's standard is different. So there's so many variables. And, and I just want to say none of this is legal advice. Yeah. <laughs> we are just giving you some information. Um, but he's right. You can't not defend property. It's just not worth it. And I, I see all the bravado everywhere. I just shoot him. And I'm like, you don't know what you're going to do mm-hmm. in that situation. <laughs> Even officers don't know what they're going to do. I know what we train to do. But man, when it comes to it and you go to pull that trigger, it's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and you see that, you know, he's right. You know, you all these judges and juries, they have days and weeks and months and years sometimes as these cases drone on and on and on. With nothing to lose. Yeah. And and here I have got a split second decision to make and it affects the rest. And as an officer, it affects the rest of my life no matter what. As a citizen, it probably will too. But man, as an officer, it could be career ending and prison time and, and all these kinds of things and your name in the paper. And, and as a citizen, you might get that a little bit. But man, as an officer, we're certainly going to get that. And by the sounds, even if you were you're going to be hard-pressed to prove that you felt you were in danger if you're shooting at someone who's driving away in your car, yeah. right? I or mean, when you started in your house, you yeah. left the safety. Yeah. You created any potential danger. So to say that you were in fear of your life is just ridiculous. But I'll be honest here with this, John. Let's I mean, back to the initial scenario. Someone is in my home who shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. They're taking my TV. Dang straight, I feel like I am in danger. I've got a child. I mean, my husband. Like, to me, if they're not supposed to be in my house in the middle of the night taking Lord knows what, I definitely feel in danger. So, I, I, to me, it is tough. How do you, how do you begin to prove that? Again, those decisions I'm going to make in 2.2 seconds. A good lawyer. A good lawyer, and not making the job harder for your lawyer. When you're asked questions. Don't go pretending that you are the lawyer. Yeah. (laughs) The police will ask you identifying information, your name, your address, and legally you have to tell them that and you cannot lie. It is illegal to lie to a police officer, even though it's legal for police to lie to us. (laughs) But that's a whole different discussion. (laughs) Beyond that, though, it is not time for you to answer all the questions. The officer has to write the report. They're going to ask the questions and try and make that process shorter. But you've got everything to lose, and you have an adrenaline dump. And if you have a gap in your memory, 
you don't like to be confused, mm-hmm. so the imagination can fill in those gaps. Sure. You should really have at least two full sleep cycles, like most police standard operating procedures will require. If an officer is involved in a shooting on their job, they are not allowed to answer questions for at least 48 hours. Is that true? Well, we, we have certain questions Most. we have to answer. We have a safety statement we have to give. So we have to let someone know how many rounds we've fired, what direction we fired, suspect information, those kinds of things. Because we have a job to do at the crime scene level, and we have to account for every one of those bullets that we fire. So if Do you know in the moment how many? I wouldn't even probably know how many I would fire off. Uh, most of them can give a good guess but you know they could be wrong could be yeah. right but we but we understand that at that time there's a, like he said an adrenaline rush yeah. dump and there's mass confusion and it depends and some people are really good at maneuvering that some people aren't as good so it just depends oh, situationally Lord, on, for the officer situation. but you know it's it's one of those things where we have a job to do so we need to know that information because like i said we have to account for every bullet if we have, go and we see there's okay we can count casings and things like that um but if it's in an open area, then we have to figure out, okay, where could this bullet have traveled? Can it travel yeah. into a house? We have to check the houses, make sure no one was hit by anything that wasn't on target. But here's how fast you can throw away your entire life. If you fired two to three rounds and they were all perfect center mass hits, and then the officer arrives and asks how many rounds you fired, was it seven or eight? That gap in your memory mm-hmm. can be filled in with the suggestions of seven or eight. Or you could also not have the gap in memory and say it was two or three times. Problem is, whether you say seven, eight, two, or three, you're really answering the yes or no question that was truly asked. Of, did, did you, you fire shoot? Your, yeah, did you, yeah. And when I ask students that, I some folks some mm-hmm. folks will get smart and they'll say, I don't know how many rounds. Well, you just answered yes again, mm-hmm. because if you didn't fire, you would have remembered that the answer is zero. The fact that you forgot how many rounds says, yeah, I did fire. fire. That's for your attorney to do. You're not supposed to be communicating these things. Just wait it out. Let the professional speak for you. You've got everything to lose, and you've still got a nasty adrenaline dump and a fresh trauma. What about someone like me who works in the media, too? Then you got to deal with people like me. I hope you have a team that can help you out in public relations. <laughs> yeah, because that's the other part of it, too, though, that people don't talk about. I mean, you, yes, you mentioned you could destroy your life in a split second, even for a police officer, which The media is good at really destroying people's here. lives. Yeah. Uh, immediately, because they just, they want that click. Yeah, they want And the click. they'll frame that, that headline any way they can to get the click. And it doesn't necessarily mean that that's the way it happens. And how do you walk that back? Because it's already in people's minds that, oh, my gosh, you're guilty, Kayla. You did that? No, no, that's not how it was at all. And then you get to the end where the, you know, you go to the court and everything comes out completely differently. They're not walking that back. Right, right. Oh, no. And even if they do walk it back, it's two and a half years later where no one cares and already has their perception of the reality that actually occurred. So, John, let's do this. Can you walk us through how to properly handle, we'll go back to the scenario we've been using. Someone comes into my home. It's the middle of the night. They're not supposed to be there. They're taking my TV or or whatever. What's a person to do in that scenario? You can get another TV. (laughs) My advice is stay in your bedroom unless you have kids. You're not going to leave your kids hanging. I understand that. So you get from your bedroom to your kid's bedroom, then you barricade. You don't leave any room for interpretation for the courts. If you leave the bedroom and go out hunting, well, it's not going to look great for you in court. 
If you barricade in a bedroom and call for help and then somebody tries breaking through that bedroom door, now there's no guessing, was it really self-defense or not? No, right. if they're coming through that bedroom door, or at least attempting to, they're not there like just to steal anymore. Right. They're there to harm you. And I'll say this, you really don't know what, you're assuming that you're seeing that person from your bedroom stealing a TV maybe across because your bedroom door's open you see them stealing. Mm -hmm. But if someone's in your house, you really don't know why they're in your house, right? right? They could be looking around. They see, could be looking thing, for you. Though, right? If you hear something that, what's going on downstairs? Like naturally though, so I get, I get what you're saying, John, about leaving your bedroom to hunt, so to speak. But isn't that naturally what you do almost in that moment? Like Absolutely. I would, <laughs> what the noise is. <laughs> yeah, to see what the noise is. Like I would probably say, honey, I'd probably wake up my husband and be like, can you go check that? I'll go over to baby girl's room. Oh, send him in. Right. Right. Yeah. right. I would say immediately if you hear something downstairs, just call 911. Yeah. Girl, you, you can, know I'm calling you. Been right. there and done that. <laughs> and just call 911 and, and they'll have you stay on the line while they dispatch officers. At least get him started that mm -hmm. way. It could turn out to be nothing. You could go, you, you say, hey, honey, go up and go down. And yeah. And I've had have that. I've had that where a raccoon's in the house. Yeah. And, you know, I'm going around to to chest the door and, and then all of a sudden I walk on to the back of this patio and, and on the screen this thing goes Raw! and it's oh, it was a, like in your house no like not in mine oh, it was okay. someone I was checking they thought it was a burglary yeah. and it was a raccoon a big raccoon so I mean it, it turn, can turn out to be nothing and that's okay I'd rather it be nothing and us arrive than it be something and you didn't even call yeah. us yeah. to get us started so what are the consequences of just running away nothing well, in my home, for example, though, we're upstairs. Let's say this yeah. person is downstairs. i got to go downstairs to get out of my house. Yeah, retreat's not always an option. Right. But when it is, people should consider it, yeah. and they oftentimes don't. What's, what is the, when it comes to, you know, an active shooting, what is it? Um, run, fight, hide, or run, hide, fight? What are, what are the? Ideally. Yeah. There is a fourth one, unfortunately, which is freeze. Don't ever use that one. Yeah. Oh, I've never heard that. It can happen. Some it's, people just aren't built to handle that adrenaline dump. It can completely freeze you. What's, it's terrifying. What's the, is it, it's it's run, hide, then fight? Is that what the? the Those are the options. They're not necessarily in they, order. Oh, okay. I didn't know if that yeah. was the. I mean, you I would kind of put those in order. I would run, try and run first. But if you can't run, maybe hide. And if you can't hide, then you're going to have to fight. Yeah. I, I would think that that was an actual generally a good order. You know, I do. That way it is. I think there's something to be said, too, about what, what you said, Sophia. And because, again, now that we're all sitting here formulating a plan together, which we talked about how important that is last weekend, just to just have some kind of plan, just even trying to get that phone call off first to the police. So at least you know they're on their way. So if at the end of the day, if you do have to end up fighting, at least you just fight long enough, right, until the police arrive. I, I guess I've never thought about that step. And in that moment, I don't know that I would think to call the police if I could, as you said. Really? You're, you're a lot a, of people do. In an adrenaline dump. Well, if you're in oh, that, you, mean, you know, yeah. yeah if you that, just hear those noises downstairs. Right. I don't know that I would have, in that scenario, called the police. I would have woke up my husband like, honey, go check that out. You know, that, that's what I would have done. But now I'm kind of like, oh, I'm going to add the first step, maybe, if I can, being calling the police. The average gunfight is between three and four seconds long. You may not get connected that quickly. Uh, no, I'm sure I won't get connected that quickly, but I'll leave it on speakerphone. There you go. You know, really, all you got to do is just dial the 911 hit send. Yeah. Right. Anything else after that, we can find you by GPS. Doesn't mean it won't take us a little bit sometimes. So we've talked about that, the um, direction um, that each carrier has is a little bit different. What, did, what happens, places. though, in that like, hypothetically? You, you call 911, you leave it on speaker, and you're getting zero communication dispatches from the It depends on, on what end. they're hearing. Okay. 
So if they're hearing a fight, they relay that to us. Hey, it looks like there's a fight. There's some words, someone screaming help, you know, and it just, mm-hmm. it, it depends, you know, how fast we're going to get there. I mean, because it could come in as an open line. Okay, 911, call open line. I don't hear anything. We're going to go check it, but we're not going to check it in an, 80, an emergency run like we would have. Hey, I hear someone fighting and yelling help. Something, too, I wanted to um, bring back up. John, that you mentioned too, were then the were then the court cases afterwards. Like you said, you can buy another car, you can buy another TV. I get it; it's it's not inexpensive to do those things, right. but that's either your choice or you're tied up in a court case for the next eight to twelve months, and you got the media breathing down your neck, and you know your kids have to go to school, you still need to go to work, what have you. But what happens during that process of those court cases then? In the in the in the moment of Kayla tried to shoot. The guy walking out with her TV. They will use that 911 call. Those are all recorded. So that's going to be brought up by the prosecutor for sure. Mm -hmm. So be conscious of what you're saying once you're on speakerphone there. If you say, he's got the TV, go shoot him. Well, that's going to come up and bite you. Yeah. Uh, On the other hand, if you say, don't come in, I'm armed, I don't want to shoot you. Well, saying, I don't want to shoot you shows that it was really the intruder's decision to make that gunfight. Interesting. I don't know. Gotta, now I got to commit that to memory too, right? <laughs> and you should. These are things you should practice, right? Because yeah. what have we said before? You don't rise to yep. the level of the occasion. You sink to your level of training. training. True. So you have to prepare mentally for everything that you may encounter. That way, when you're in that situation, you are I'm like, recall, and it comes back, and you're like, okay. This but is what from I a do. legal perspective, so what John just said: Hey, don't come into my home. I'm armed. I don't want to shoot. Mm-hmm. Then what? In a legal perspective, if I still do shoot. Well, is he coming in? Yeah, yeah. I'm shooting you. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, you know, now I think I'm pretty much covered. I told him not to come in. I told him I would shoot him. He burst through the door that I had barricaded. I don't think there's any kind of case that'll be like, I don't even know if the prosecutor would charge that. Well, there's a lot of disqualifiers on your rights to protect yourself. There's a four criteria for deadly use of force test that you have to pass at every moment throughout the incident. If you fail one of those four, you don't have all that many legal protections. Well, what are they? You have to be in immediate fear of death or great bodily harm. So it can't just be, I'm going to kick your butt and you shoot somebody to death. Mm -hmm. That's not going to go over well in court. There needs to be no lesser means to stop the threat. So if it's uh, somebody who is much smaller than you and isn't in very good shape and they're unarmed and they say they're going to kill you, well, just because it was that threat doesn't mean it's it's a true threat that's Really? That can't be stopped. And, it, and it's going to be perception. Maybe that person has a third degree black belt, but they're not wearing it to your house. Right. How are you supposed to know? doesn't matter. It's going to be used against you in court. Um, Man. So at any moment, if there is a lesser means to stop that threat, you're expected to use it. If you carry mace in one pocket and a gun on your hip and you're out jogging and somebody attacks you and you use that firearm and maybe you maybe even made the right decision, well, they're going to ask, why didn't you use the pepper spray? So by having it on you, you may have put yourself in a worse spot legally. Another criteria is you have to be an innocent party. If you go to the courts asking for help when you have committed a crime, there's something called the clean hands doctrine. The court will not help you if you are committing a crime and, and you ask for help. So... If I went out and robbed some guy and then he breaks into my house to steal his stuff back and I shoot him, I don't have a chance in that court case. Right, right. Now that one I that one I can see. That <clears throat> yeah. one I can be on board with. 
Or maybe I got in a bar fight with him and then he broke into my house. Same thing. I'm not an hmm. innocent party at that point. And there's a lot of variables even to those because it's like stature of the person. Is it a woman? Is it a man? Or is it a man, female, really? the male? Absolutely. You know, because males are generally stronger. Even as a female, even though I'm an officer, if I'm in a in a in a fist fight with a guy, I am potentially out muscled. Mm-hmm. I mean, not potentially, probably ninety percent of the time. Um and and it's going to be way differently on me using my handgun in that instance than it would be on another male officer with a male aggressor. I did not. So know it that. just everything is it's that's why we cannot give you specific case. This is what's going to happen because right. there's variables yeah. in everything. What's the fourth fourth one? Fourth one is no reasonable means of escape. So if there's a way for you to leave, you are required to. Now Indiana is a castle doctrine and stand your ground state. But people get stuck on that. They hear, oh, yeah, castle doctrine states. So mm-hmm. if somebody comes into my house, I can waste them. No, you're still going to be held to these other criteria. And you're still going to be judged by people who have nothing to lose. And they're going to be specifically hand-selected to not be a pro-gun jury. There has never been and never will be a pro-gun jury. Yeah. The, the jury selection will always weed out the pro-gunners. Well, John, um, we're still going to invite you back a third time because I'm still <laughs> going to make you do. We talked about it last weekend. Um, but we're still going to make you uh, do a little, should I call it a seminar, a workshop? I don't know what to call it. Yeah. Uh, uh, ideas and thoughts. There you go. Ideas <laughs> and thoughts. Um, because something else that you do is you help uh, specifically churches try and prevent mass shootings. Absolutely. Which I think is a, a remarkable thing that you do uh, free of charge at uh, that. Yes. Uh, which folks can learn more about it at indianafirearmstraining.com. But I wanted you to come back um, in the future. I'll give you some time to think about this because – it's obviously we're not a church, but I want you to kind of come on and, and give that same spiel, if you will, just to all listeners, whether they're small business owners, whether they're teachers or, um, I don't know, radio station owners, just kind of some of your, your best talking points, if you will, to, to not only prevent the mass shooting, but the, the what do you do during, what do you do after, what do you do moving forward? There are still so many factors, I think, there to talk about as well, but obviously we're way out of time, which happened to us last week as well. So you still have to come back a third time, John. You're not off the hook. I'd love it. Thank you. <laughs> uh, John Michaels, he is the owner of Indiana Firearms Training in Huntington. Look them up online, indianafirearmstraining.com. And if you missed last weekend's show, you can download it now anywhere you download a podcast. Just search for Unholstered. Your town, your team, your topics. This is Unholstered. Thanks for listening to Unholstered. Be sure to subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you listen. And remember, you can listen every Saturday morning at 1030 on WoWo 1190 and 1075 FM. Podcasts by Federated Media.